Welcome to the Teach Strong podcast. My name's Sam Hart. I'm a primary school teacher on a mission to help school staff discover truly effective approaches to wellbeing. And this show is a platform for me to bring you the knowledge and experience of real experts who can break down the research and the tools that we can apply to our everyday lives to feel happier and healthier. Today I'm joined by Naomi Clyde Roberts. Naomi is an assistant head teacher and author of the book, The Emotionally Intelligent Teacher. The book is described as a unique guide to managing your emotions in order to enhance your teaching, boost your well-being, and combat power struggles in schools. During our chat, we find out more about Naomi's journey to writing the book, the various case studies that are included, and I ask her to give the Teach Strong audience some of the key takeaways. Enjoy the conversation. Right. Welcome, Naomi, to the Teach Strong podcast. Good to have you on. Hello. Nice to be here. Yes. So it is the summer holidays now, isn't it? We've we've just broken up. But I'd be interested to hear, you know, in a typical week, actually, what does what does work look like for you at the moment in a school when you are in when you are in school, not on your summer holidays. <laughs> Yeah, um, hectic, very, very busy as it always is um, in any job. Um, I teach four days a week, um, one day out of the classroom, kind of leadership time. Um, the balance changes every now and again when things crop up, um, but that's that to me is a typical week. Fantastic. I'm going to four days a week in September as well. I have been working three days a week, but decided to make a step up for that extra day. Ah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, 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 I'm looking forward to it. Um, so I'm, I'm always interested to hear from a teacher who is working in a school but still finds time to write a book. I think that's pretty impressive. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about your book and kind of the journey leading up to it, even during writing the book? Where did the idea come from? What was involved? Just anything you'd like to say about the process, I'd be really interested to hear. So um, since beginning teaching, um, I've been kind of very aware of situations that have been good and equally bad um, and just kind of been observing in the background. I've always felt really strongly about emotional intelligence and how people are treated. I'm very much one of those people that it has to be fair. It has to be equal, all of those things. And I, you know, whoever is involved with the situation, I always feel strongly that they need to feel okay. So um, I was sort of observing over time and then um, I had time to reflect during maternity so I put in the book proposal thinking I'd just get a feedback and like you know not right now we're happy to pursue it in a couple of years or never type of thing so when they said yes I was like ha ah, right now I actually need to crack on with the writing so I'd done a few articles here and there but nothing major um, and so but I actually really enjoyed writing it it was it was hard going at times um, alongside working full time. It was mainly half terms, Easter holidays, uh, mm. weekends. And this summer is the first summer I get to switch off completely because obviously the last three summers I've been, I would have finished school and then carried on writing. So this feels amazing at the moment, just being able to switch off completely and read like a, a book that isn't educational, for example, and not research. So as much as I loved it, I'm, I'm enjoying my free time. Oh, yeah, I really hope you get to enjoy it and not embrace all of those little moments. So having a, having a baby wasn't enough for you. You decided to write a book at the same time as well. Exactly. You've got to keep your mind, you've got to keep your mind busy, haven't you? You've got to keep oh, going man. with it. And I miss, oh. the, I miss the busyness of school, so I was like, I need something right. to keep me focused. And as much as I love spending time with my daughter, 
yeah, I needed that um, routine, I think, of, no, I need something to work towards. Yeah, and that sounds like kind of a, a productive way to use your free time because I guess the, your your free time can be used um, in perhaps less productive ways, but to, <laughs> to get a book written and put out there is is very impressive. <laughs> yeah, so, it's um, hard going at times, but okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the book contains various case studies, doesn't it? Um, would you be able to tell us a bit more about who you interviewed and, and who provided some positive inspiration? So over time, obviously, I've been on uh, Twitter a while now, and um, I'd seen lots of different people, um, you know, um, heads and leaders from around the country. And I just kind of set out a couple of questions. And, you know, what does emotional intelligence mean to you? Um, how do you go about it in your schools? And what kind of things crop up? And what kind of things do you think about when mm. emotional intelligence is discussed and talked about? Um, and I managed to get some case studies from uh, like Sam Strickland about the culture of school and how to get, uh, you know, a positive but productive culture. Uh, Gavin Hosford, uh, who's a head teacher, about depersonalizing conversations. You know, it's never about the person. It's the, it, it's always the situation and working through it, building bridges and kind of taking um, just the tension out of the conversation almost. Mm. Um, and just, yeah, working through it in that way. So um, understanding how people work and having those difficult conversations um is that and, a, bit, uh, a bit like you'd kind of approach a, a conversation with a child as well i guess that you're you're addressing yes. the behavior and not what they have done not you are a naughty child it's like well this behavior it's a, is that what um sorry i've forgotten who, who you mentioned then but oh it, gavin that, yes right right gavin is that kind of that the approach that he meant but with with your staff as well yeah absolutely yeah. saying you know this is the situ situation we're dealing with mm. you know i know you as a person i know you very well but we need to work with this um right, and right, right. whatever i say now is a case of it's based on the situation and not personal right which can be tricky at times can't it but it's a Definitely. really important thing to put out there and remind yeah through your, so through your so important yeah <laughs> yeah because with everything no, no, it's okay. Sorry, just go ahead. Um, with everything, the like, it, people can take things personally. And, you know, when you're dealing with parents, with children, with colleagues, it's never really personal. It genuinely is just how they're feeling um, and their emotions they're going through. So whenever I have a parent come to me about anything that they're concerned about, I never get defensive because it's literally how they are feeling and I am there to say like what can I do for you how can I help you get through this and a lot of these conversations in fact all I'd say end with a positive scenario because they know I'll, I'll listen and they know that they trust the situation to be solved and they know I'm just I'm not going to bat it back and go you know um it's not important because it is so it's yeah and with everything and I think that's just very important because I know some people do take it personally um and that's really hard to try and stop that situation happening because when that does happen obviously uh, you know it's the relationship breaks down like colleagues um parents children as well yeah, of course. And it, the, the onus is on us, isn't it? And, and this, that's what you're all about. But, you know, what, what is the development path that we might be on? It's all about 
swallowing the ego, isn't it? I think. And definitely that's very much yeah. that I've been working on the last few years. Yeah. It's, you know, my ego is saying, well, well, I know the right solution to this. And oh, how dare they attack me or suggest that I've done that the wrong way. And it's about taking a step back, isn't it? And not taking it personal and, and, and addressing yeah. the whatever the situation is. Absolutely. It, yeah. No matter your kind of thinking of, you might not even agree with it, but you need to work mm. with it. You need to work with what you have in front of you. Yeah, definitely. Okay, great. So, so what about the other case studies? I kind of interrupted you while you were talking about no, that. No, one, no, it's okay. I might, I might do it again, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, Nadine Finley, who I actually trained with, um, she um, is in SLT now, and she was talking about the effects of micromanagement and how sometimes that can be well, all the time can be very detrimental to someone's <laughs> career path. And you know, if you're conscientious already, you don't need someone following you, telling you what you should and shouldn't be doing. You have those high standards. You know what you've got to achieve. Um, it, micromanaging is not helpful in any way, shape or form, you know, and, and neither are sort of people that go into leadership thinking it's a power trek or it's about mm. them, you know, leading and that's it. It's not, it's never about them. It's about the team and it's about how you bring people with you and up with, with you. And yeah, and if you don't have that, basic knowledge of leadership then it is just not going to go very well you know talking down to people never works never you know people just go well, that's it I'm, I'm done with this <laughs> um, no. so. and it's kind of I don't know it's, there's maybe famous examples where you see a, a team whether it's a sports team or a business team and you hear about how great they were because the leader was on top of them all the time and driving them and whipping them and all the you know mm. not, not actually not not literally but um <laughs> but then you always hear about that uh, actually though those people you know years on were like well that was traumatic and that was horrible and, and yeah what was the point and actually there are lots of leaders out there that are not doing not taking that approach and still get the right um you know, the right answers and the right results, whether that's in a school or a sports team or business, whatever it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's just not the way to go about it, is it? The, the micromanagement exactly. and uh, constantly being on top of people. You want to show people the way, don't you? Show them the path and get, yeah. empower them with and the, the tools and the knowledge. Yeah, and you can show those high standards without being mm. literally, you know, um, what's the word? Um, dominant. You don't need to be. You can mm. be you can be in control and clear with that, but you can be quiet as well about it. You don't need to be loud and, you know, cracking the whip type of thing. Mm. Yeah, absolutely agree. And was there one final one? Uh, yeah. So, um, and David Shakeshaft <laughs> as well, he right. mentioned about, and I hadn't even thought about this actually, um, that some people, some leaders can actually use emotional intelligence to their advantage. And I maybe I was a bit naive because I always thought of it as a positive thing. And, and it is very much a positive, you know, when you have self-awareness and you are aware of your staff, but you're aware of yourself. But some people use it as a, okay, they know you so well um, mm. as, as a leader, they can use your that as a, um, and what's the word, kind, kind of um, work with the vulnerability if that makes sense, and and use that um, to their advantage, which is a really quite nasty way of um, dealing with people. And he said he had experience of that, unfortunately, and he had then had to shift on to another um, school because of that situation. But to think that people use it in that way is quite foreign to me. Um, 
but that was a really interesting case study because it made me think I hadn't considered that before. Yeah, it's true. And it is, it is dark. And I think from my perspective, um, it's kind of a part of growing up. I think as, as you get older, you, you see that happening, I think more and more often where, yeah. Oh wow, that person can be really manipulative and, and take advantage. And like you say, because they know your perhaps your weaknesses or your vulnerabilities yeah. and they take advantage of that. And you think, Oh, well, I, I just would never do that. How can someone behave like this? And yeah, oh. definitely. That, the questioning. And like I've never, I've had to come to, um, to grips with the fact that people have motives. I mean, I was quite naive when I went into assistant headship thinking I genuinely didn't realise that. I was quite, um, I'd work hard and I'd be conscientious, but people were having that motive before they asked a question never occurred to me. So that's when I had to learn the phrase, I'll get back to you. Because in that, if you mm. answer it in that moment, what midway teaching a lesson or when you're, you know, not thinking properly, you can, you can give the wrong answer. Um, and that was a hard lesson for me to learn because I was like, I, I don't, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. Why do people think in advance and use certain situations to their advantage? It's not very, um, I don't know, kind or genuine. No, not at all. No, but it happens. It does, it does. And I guess we have to sometimes treat these people with compassion. It might be that something, you know, something yes. along the line has happened to them and uh, um, their their experiences perhaps growing up or in their career, or they're just yeah. having an awful day, aren't they? And and they're, they're reflecting that on, onto us, which is not acceptable, but it does happen. And I think we've all been guilty of it sometimes, haven't we? Having, yeah. having a bad day and being short with, with whoever it is, a, colleague family member um yes. so we have to be understanding as well uh, at the same time as making sure people know that's not okay <laughs> yeah and no that's so true and like in the book as well um I, there's a section about neurology and about the amygdala and it's so true with the idea that those experiences then shape how people work and how they operate and actually you do look at someone and you think why why are they doing that and you kind of get to the point where you're like well there's got to be a reason and trying to work out that reason um because no one no one prepares their thinking like that unless they've been through quite a nasty experience, I think. Um, or, they, yeah. or they've had to start thinking in that way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you also gave kind of a, a really nice practical tip just a moment ago with the talking about if someone has come to you and, and perhaps they're demanding something of you or asking a question of you, having the confidence um, to say, well, can I get back to you? That yeah. it sounds so simple, but actually, again, through experience and perhaps with age, um, you, you might have more confidence in yourself to be like that, even with senior leaders, even with the deputy yeah. head. Like, oh, well, can, I, can I get back to you at the end of the day or even later on? Yeah, exactly. End of the day is absolutely fine. And like, leave it with mm. me because then you have time to process, okay, what are they asking? What other factors are involved? When you're midway through a lesson and answering the question, it doesn't work um, at all. No. No, for sure. Yeah. And when it's a you know a busy school day and we're already frantically running around and yeah. you just can't have that kind of mental capacity to to sort things through, you you might say yes to something actually you didn't want. To yeah, say yes and to. then oh, think about oh, it no. afterwards and think, oh no, <laughs> shouldn't have said yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and I guess this is where the um, the kind of the mindfulness comes in, doesn't it? Because that's what mindfulness teaches us that we can pause and not react straight away and just create that little bit of space that at the time those five seconds seem like an eternity don't they but actually it's yeah. not that long to pause and go hmm. and, and I think that's what this is all about isn't it what you what you're talking about emotional intelligence having that ability to um 
ju- just pause and process. Stay, and stay calm, think. yeah, and just yeah, work yeah. through it rather than snap decisions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's all a learning curve. <laughs> so you kind of <laughs> touched on a bit of a, a horror story that um, David Shakeshaft um, shared with you. Is there anything else that you found about, out about anything that is kind of a, a no-go? Because some of the some of the case studies you mentioned were very positive, but there any, were there any others that were not yeah. so positive, anything you I- shouldn't be doing? Yeah, I mean, there was a few that were really, um, well, not quite humorous, but really shocked me because um, still there's ongoing situations where head teachers, you know, there's an example in one of the case studies um, of a head teacher throwing pencils against a door, or pens against a door as someone left the room, you know, in anger. Now, you wouldn't think that kind of thing happens, but it does. Um, mm-hmm. It shouldn't do, of course, but it just shows how people um for whatever reason and again there might be things going on in their life that is out of control so you kind of have to look at it in that respect as well um they're not able to be self-aware reflect manage their emotions which is key you know if you can't manage your own emotions you're not going to be able to manage people you work with and their emotions um I go to the gym a lot, not to actually work out to swim because <laughs> at the end of the day, I need to unwind because I'm absorbing all of the emotions of everybody else and having to just regulate myself constantly. And if I, if I didn't have that outlook of, um, you know, just winding down, that could be quite um, tricky for someone to process. Um, and it keeps me kind of level headed. I think mm. everyone does their own, you know, has their own routine. That's just one example. Um, but I feel that if I didn't do that, I, yeah, I'd, I think I'd find it tricky to keep a very kind of calm perspective when people do get upset and anxious and all of those things and they come to you, which is often the case, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> always exactly. the case. <laughs> yeah, every day the case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, well, I guess there's kind of two points to that then, isn't it? That if someone is is listening um, to this and thinking, okay, well, yeah, I've behaved like that sometimes. I've kind of lost my rag a bit, lost my temper and maybe done something that then I've regretted later on. It's like like you're suggesting, well, well you, maybe you need to look for your outlet or your way to kind of decompress at the end of the day. Exactly. For you, it's swimming. For me, it might be a run or going to the gym. Um, but, you know, those are very physical, but but actually there are many other ways that people enjoy um, kind of re- releasing any tension yeah. or whatever it is, like you like you mentioned. Just so that's basic- one part of it. It's like sorry. an adult regulate. Sorry, um, agula- uh, get my words out. An adult <laughs> regulating their own emotions, much like children are taught to do, yeah. you know, over time. It's the same kind of thing, isn't it? Knowing what keeps you sturdy <laughs> consistently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we kind of, I don't know, like we were talking about before about the maturity and the experience. Maybe we get to our adult uh, hood and get to kind of late 20s, early 30s and, and think, well, I've got it all figured out now. And then you do lose your temper or you do get really stressed or you do get frustrated. You think, oh, okay, I haven't quite figured everything out yet. And, and that's okay. I think we keep learning these things, don't we? And maybe they change. Yeah. Maybe maybe in a year's time, a, a run won't do that for me. And so I need to find it. Exactly. Yeah. You need to work. But yeah, as the tension, well, not the tensions, that's the wrong words, but as the things like workload builds up, there might be another mm. outlet that you need to seek or, yeah, you might need to change it i'm just thinking of an example of um, when i had to like literally walk with this this was in my early years of teaching well, i've only been teaching 10 years not very long but um it was i think it's my nqt year actually and my lsa at the time was a forest school leader and i had to stand in the cupboard to stop myself from screaming because i was like no 
no, this is not good. So we were, um, I think it was during Ofsted. I'm pretty certain it was. And there were inspectors in the building and so on. And my forest school leader, she's, she is brilliant. She was absolutely superb, very, you know, passionate about being outside, happened to be winter, all of those kind of things. Um, and she came in, they were all doing their really their lovely piece of writing. It was a year three, four, year, hang on, year four class. And they, yeah, brilliant pieces of writing, but she swung her jacket around that was completely covered in mud and water and everything. And it just literally covered all of their books or not all half the class and you know when you're like stay calm stay calm and then I don't know why we had frogs in the classroom but we did I had frogs in the classroom she pointed out that one of them had died I then had to deal with about seven children crying as well as the books knowing that at any point I could have had and they did they dropped into my lesson I was like this is incredible so I had to just walk into the cupboard have a bit of a moment I didn't scream but I wanted to um and just kind of like <laughs> breathe calmly and then walk out again because I was like I can't believe that has just happened but let people's that, that goes down to again people's levels of self-awareness absolutely zero fantastic at what she does just didn't realize the impact she had like telling our class of a whole class that a frog had died no <laughs> Oh, <laughs> absolute chaos I was like it was very calm in here before you entered the classroom and it was it was absolutely beautiful working environment and within seconds gone sorry yeah, yeah. I just that just made me no, think of it <laughs> the joys of working in a school and I can imagine you look yeah. just a few I'm sure people, yeah people have had many of those I'm sure and that's the only time I've really had to walk into the cupboard and just go all right I need to breathe and now carry on. Um, all the times, there's been much more stressful situations, but I think I've been able to just go, I'll be fine. It's all good. <laughs> it always works out. It does. It, it reminds does, me yeah. of a similar experience I had. And that my, there was one school I worked at. It was when I came back from teaching abroad and it was the, the first supply role I'd gotten, but it was kind of a supply role in the hope that actually that then they would hire me, that they, you know, they were looking for a long time, long term cover. And in my first day covering this year four class, I kind of not even finished really my introduction. And a teacher who was leaving the school, who was their previous year three teacher, came in and said, oh, sorry, I just need to, you know, I'm leaving the school. So I just want to talk to all the children now and let them know that I'm leaving. And it, they just, half the class just burst into tears, were sobbing, oh, no. like, ran over to hug her. And it was, again, that kind of same situation, like, okay. I get what you were trying to do, but your timing was not great. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Don't do that. Yeah, you just want to go, right. no, another time would have been perfect. Please don't do it now. Yeah, right at the end of the day and maybe, oh, just, oh, yeah, that was a moment for me to just, yeah. I couldn't go, I couldn't escape to a cupboard, so I just kind of had to take a few deep <laughs> breaths at the front of the classroom. Yeah, but, take it all in. Yeah, it's all uh, it's all part of the fun, isn't it? It is, yeah. You kind of learn, you kind of, in your head, you kind of just go, oh, dear God. And then you think, yeah. right, carry on, on autopilot, as we always are. Exactly. Yeah. Keeps it interesting. Yeah. Um, and then going right back to, to what you said, because I kind of, I went off on a bit of a tangent, but I talked about the it's one right. part. I probably did as well. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's fine. Um, kind of the one part on that, that for, for that person to know what, what they need to do to self-regulate. But then on the other hand, the person that was kind of at the receiving end of that throwing pens incident needs yes. to know that's not okay as well, don't they? And, and talk to someone, whether that's their line manager, whoever, whoever it is that they can talk to. Um, 
I guess there are situations though where where the head teacher is the person that has perhaps behaved in a way that is not acceptable and so then it's like, yeah well, and that, that can be really tricky because of course with the yeah. whole governor situation if you have a team of governors that are obviously with the head teacher you can't mm-hmm. go anywhere and that's where it gets tricky and that, to be honest that one of the reasons um the book kind of came about was because I had a quite a tricky um not in QT year, sort of training year, where mm. I was treated in a way that, you know, like a sink or swim kind of way, like you, you, and I felt um, that I was, well, I won't go into lots of details because I don't think it's professional to, but there's a few um, bits in the book that mention about like the experience and I'm sure people had the same. Um, but I literally would go home crying every evening and then working as hard as I could during the day. But I had, I couldn't say anything because had I done that, I just would have been failed, you know, they would have said, well, that's it. I'm going to fail you anyway, type of thing. So, and I'm sure that kind of situation happened. Turns out I was doing absolutely fine, but it took for a deputy head to come in, a new person who's actually, I mentioned in the book, uh, Stuart Wainwright to say, look, I don't know what the problem is. You're doing amazingly. And I was like, oh my goodness, you're the first person that has said that because everything else I'd had was, and I was working literally as you do in your training year every hour of the day and night um, and doing a master's. I think it was half the master's alongside as well. So just like full out with everything. And yeah, he said, no, you're doing fine. And he was literally the only one that kept me afloat whilst I was finishing my uh, training year. Um, and that is one of the reasons we lose teachers so early on is because yeah. they do have a really poor experience or, and someone that isn't in the right minds, you know, mindset. And then they're trying, they're training them, but giving them, uh, negativity, all sorts of things that they don't need on top of a really tricky and demanding training year. Yeah, it's a horrible situation. And sadly, it's not an uncommon one, is it? Is it? You, you mm. see it a lot. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know why it's still happening. I don't know how it still happens. Um, oh man, it's just not acceptable, is it? Exactly. And I just really feel for those. Yeah, and it's really, it's really not. And anyone that's going through that kind of situation, you know, they basically just keep going because it's, it does get better. It really does, yeah. but you have to have pure resilience to get through a lot of. Okay, not a lot of people, but some people would have just down tools and said, "That's it. It's not for me. I'm not. I'm not doing this." But I'm quite stubborn. <laughs> I was like, "No." <laughs> as much, yeah, as much as I was crying of an evening, I was like, "No, I need. To, I want to be a teacher. I need to do this." And there'll be. It's, it's just a very tricky situation and there's lots of other people out there that will have that resilience um, and want to keep going. Yeah, I wonder how, how many clever and talented teachers they were losing because for some reason yeah. they're the ones that are put under that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a shame. So I guess that's again the situation where, you know, who, who have you got at the school to talk to? Because hopefully you'd like to think there is someone, someone that you can talk to, but if not, then... Mm. Perhaps you need to look elsewhere. I guess that's where unions yeah. can come in, can't they, and, and offer advice. And if you're a student, um, unions normally do. I don't know if they still do. Do they still do kind of a free year when you're training? And or, I, I think they do. Yeah, I think they do. I think people are quite, I think, worried about using the unions because then it sets a precedent, doesn't it? To I, It kind of takes it up a notch or two. Yeah. But they are yeah. there to use. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, they are. Well, everyone should be part of a union. I, I think is, oh, is what most people would say, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I completely be, yeah. agree. And maybe maybe a union um, episode of this podcast is is needed to dive into that a little bit more. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, great. And so, well, you, you've mentioned case studies, you've given some practical tips as well, which is, which is fantastic. And, but I don't know, without giving too much away, we of course want people to buy your book, don't we? But is there any, anything else that you'd like to share from the book? Any other kind of key takeaways about, um, around some of those themes? Cause you know, communication and working effectively as a team, reacting to negative situations. These are all things that have, that you've mentioned already and are covered in the book, aren't they? But if there's anything else you want to mention, then, then please go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So there's a few other things as well. Um, just an idea that, Feelings obviously are there and it can be based on a past situation. Um, and in the book, there's a section that says the amygdala never forgets. And it's so true. Any kind of bad experience you have, whatever experience you have from then on is a trigger and it will bring back the negative experience. And I think it's important you kind of realize that not every feeling is accurate. And that's something I've had to kind of really think about over the last three years or so, where yeah, it's a feeling and it's an emotion, but is it necessarily linked to what's happening currently or is it a layer of what's happened in the past? And that I think is really important because sometimes it's not true. It's not, um, yeah, it's not accurate. And just looking at it in that way, you kind of can step back from it and, and think, okay, this is a trigger. And actually... I can, you think more logically about it. And that's something I've had to learn over time um, to think in a more logical type of way um, and understand emotions more so by doing that. Um, and I think another kind of top tip or key tip, if you like, is um, like timing is everything. Um, whenever you filter information to staff, you need to consider what what is going on in their life at that time you might not know all the ins and outs people are very very good at hiding what's going on in their private life um and you don't need to know all the ins and outs because of course it's private however you know by watching how they behave how they act what kind of things they're doing differently that's when you choose to disseminate information and filter information in the right way so it doesn't get lost and just being aware of how someone is feeling because it's always always about feeling you know in, in any situation people leave because of how they feel that's it you know the emotions are always forefront and as much as they might not be always true and accurate they will always be there and you need to work with that person or people to get past that and build bridges because so many people are not willing to discuss or work through a situation which is a real shame um, and it shouldn't be like that um, and being realistic as well. Um, it's a busy job. It's hard work, really tiring, amazing. Absolutely love the job. And I'm sure every, you know, teacher, um, will say the same. It's so, so rewarding, but it does take a lot of energy. And if you haven't got that, that time to balance and, um, admit when you're wrong and thinking about actually it's humans first, we are professional. Of course we are but everyone will have emotions when they're tired. I mean, look at the children at the end of term, for example, the amount of disagreements that you sort out in that last week because their emotions are up there because they are absolutely exhausted. Same as adults, you know, adults more or less, you know, work with it, but there'll be a few that can't quite hold it back. Um, yeah, and it just says everything, doesn't it? Everyone gets to that point where they just cry, quite literally. Um, and can't get past the, can't get past the situation, uh, and there'll be 
just tiny, tiny disagreements that actually are, are small, but they seem so much bigger, you know, like making a mountain out of a molehill kind of situation. Um, yeah, but just going back to the whole admitting that you're wrong is so important. If you get it wrong, just say, look, I'm sorry, got it wrong. Um, and it's genuine that way, not trying to plow through and say something along the lines of, no, I was right. I'm not changing my mind. That's it. <laughs> so that might be yeah. one of the biggest misconceptions around leadership mindset in it, that um, oh, you, you shouldn't yeah. be vulnerable with your, with your team or with your audience. If you're doing a presentation, for example, and I've got to look really professional and kind of robotic and I can't remember what book it was. It might've been this book behind me, which is the practice of groundedness by Brad um, uh, Stolberg, and he talked oh, about this. Look at that one. Um, the CEO, CEO of a company, is really good. Yeah, I'll um, yeah, I recommend it. <laughs> um, I good. think he talked about um, a, a female CEO that had been kind of recently promoted and had this this huge team that she. Um, for the first time, she'd got, you know, hundreds of people under her. And for the first, I don't know how many weeks it was, but she was trying to be really kind of impersonal and just trying to pretend that she had all the answers and working all the hours under the sun and just, I mean, I'm sure you know that kind of situation and that kind of, yeah, kind of case. Yeah, yeah, it just um, doesn't work, then, does it? No, it doesn't. And and he was her coach, this author of this book. Um, and, and he said, no, you need to open up with them and be more vulnerable. And, and it's okay to say, look, I don't have all the answers um, for every single one of your questions. Um, going back to that, I'll, I'll need to get back to you on that, that yeah. kind of thing. And, yeah. and actually, when you're open and show that vulnerability, I think people then... Uh, respond better to you and, and they, they'll always be respectful of that we see the same on social media I think that when, when you're open and honest on social media and sharing it with your experience sharing your experiences people really resonate with that don't they people people resonate with stories and 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 they want to know more about you and how you're dealing with things and oh, it's, it's a really interesting point to, to make yeah, it, it definitely is. And there's, um, I'm sure people out there that still wouldn't want to admit, but also you're not the smartest person in the room. There'll be someone in that team that will have a much, much better idea than you. And yeah. you know who to say, right, actually, no, I've got an idea, but I know that you will have a better one. Take it away type of thing. And it's if you don't have that relationship with the team around you, it's just, a, it doesn't, doesn't work really. Um, you need to know the strengths in the room, don't you really? Yeah, definitely. And that's something I'd love to see more of in schools, that the leadership asking the teachers and the TAs and any member of staff yeah. who works in the school, well, what do you think about this? And what, what would the solution be that you would offer? And, and let's talk about this together, because we know that it, it can be quite top down, can't it? It can. And also, policies. yeah, and as much as pe um, heads and um, they try to get into the classroom as much as they can, often they don't get the time because obviously they're dealing mm. with a number of different scenarios. And when the teachers and their um, LSAs, uh, assistant heads, all of those people, they see it on the ground because they see all of the tiny details. And, yeah, it's about listening to that and actually taking note and working with that. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, there, there were so many points that you just made. I'd love to go back to some of them, is that, if that's okay. The one, the one yeah, thing that you yes, said about I'm... how it get, all gets a bit crazy at the end of the of term, and it re reminds me of a bit of advice that my dad gave me. He was a former head teacher. He's retired now, and I think it was in my NQT year when it was coming up to Christmas, and things were getting a bit, you know, <laughs> getting a bit tricky with, with not so much even with the children. It was more with the staff actually. And he said, "Look, Sam, like in the lead up to Christmas, everyone is shattered, and and this is just." Yeah. kind of what happens in schools you know there are kind of more of these confrontations and fallings out which is such a shame but that is where the 
that awareness comes in, doesn't it? That emotional intelligence, like, okay, I am shattered right now, but you know, how, how do I need to conduct myself? How do I need to move through this day? Um, yeah. Which, of course, could be really tricky. I'm not understating that at all, but um, it's something to bear in mind, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely, yeah. It's Because um, if you think about the last like two, three weeks, obviously the heat wave and things like that, everybody yeah. was just knackered and then ridiculously hot and mm. trying to work through it. And you do have to just tell yourself to just, you know, calm, relax, carry on with your day-to-day type of thing. When things pop up, yeah, just take it in your stride because everybody was feeling the heat quite literally. <laughs> it was yeah. boiling. Sure. <laughs> Even oh, with the goodness. fans on, it was like, well, we'll just circulate hot air for a couple of hours. Oh, and have a few ice pops in between. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was just yeah, I mean, kind of two o'clock, two thirty, wasn't it? Where I was like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, what is going on?" I know it was. <laughs> it was quite yeah, and we had because um, we had the summer fate, and then we had uh, the gazebos and things left up, which was great because the children had shade. But we did literally mm. say to the children, "You're not allowed to run around. You are sitting in that shade, and that is it." Yeah. And they did yeah. listen because they knew what well, they could feel how hot it was. Um, and I know some schools had to close. Uh, we were lucky we had like ventilation. I say that even if there was, there wasn't exactly a breeze, but it worked because we had the shade and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, if we didn't have the ice poles, we I think we would have been in dire straits. <laughs> oh, man. Same as most schools. Yeah, yeah just to cool down. Yeah, and, I, and we still made them work. I don't know how harsh that is, but we still got on with the learning. <laughs> I'm sure other schools did oh. the same. <laughs> have yeah, to really don't I, you i did in my class yeah and because in the morning it wasn't yeah. too bad it wasn't too bad so we got we got a bit oh. in the morning yeah yeah tried to push a bit of yeah, science but... on them in the afternoon but that might have been a mistake but it was it was a very gentle <laughs> science lesson so in, the, it was okay. in the heat i think i think it builds <laughs> yeah. a certain level of resilience you know heat is fine it's what you deal with it's what people abroad have to deal with let's go with it yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then right back to your very first point, I, I I really liked, and I just think it's worth going back to. But you you talked about I think another element of mindfulness in that um, there's that quote that says "Don't believe everything you think," which I think is kind of what you were alluding to, wasn't yes. it? Like this is this is just yeah. this is just an emotion, this is just a feeling, and that is I think probably one of the most mind-blowing moments of my kind of development in the last few years like oh I don't have to believe this thought actually whether that's a thought about a different person or it's a thought about myself and how I'm behaving um it's like oh you know I'm I'm the awareness above my thoughts and you know I'm not that thought I'm Sam which is which is separate um and and creating that space means that you know you can you can deal with things can't you Uh, yeah in a more proactive way it makes, yeah, it, do, it really makes you consider things from a whole different perspective and actually gives mm. you that level of, you know, like calm and kind of actually mm. everything is okay. That thought can, you know, disappear right now because it's not yeah. necessarily accurate. No, no, it's yeah. probably not true. Um, it's probably something that you're, we're worrying about the past or we're worrying about a future that hasn't happened. And yes, yeah. if we've created that pace, uh, that space, um, and, and knowing that it will pass as well, because sometimes it, it, it's it's not nice, is it? It's not a nice thought or a, or a nice feeling, and it stays with us exactly. for a while. But you know, yeah, that experience Just, and knowing that, yeah, this this too yeah. shall pass. <laughs> Even if it means uh, like giving yourself like five minutes, kind of like I need a breather. In, mm-hmm. And knowing that beyond that you'll feel okay again, um, but it's, it's it's difficult because some people 
and and I used to do this as well. It's almost like a kind of, you know, the upstairs kind of brain, the primitive um, where you have a red mist, you start to believe mm-hmm. it and you start to think actually yeah. it's true when it's when it's not. And you have to then bring yourself down slowly to that. Actually, no, it's <laughs> calm. Everything's good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also one of the more really, really not nice elements of um, depressive feelings when you that kind of cloud comes over and you just feel really, really sad. And that horrible feeling where you think, well, am I, is this going to pass? Because I feel so low and it's like, is this what yeah. I have to feel like now? And that's, that's absolutely horrible. But, you know, luckily that we normally come out the other side of that, don't we? I know there's some people there in a, you know, in a position where they, they need to get more help, whether that's medical yes. or whatever yeah. it is. But um, yeah, it's, oof, I've gone off on a It's seeing it from uh, a different perspective, isn't it? It's just yeah, understanding yeah. it slightly differently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oof, so we have covered so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Naomi. It's, it's just no, so great no to, to hear about your work and, and the fact that you gathered all these case studies in one place and now you're, you've put it out there into the, to the world of education. I just think it's fantastic. So before I ask you the kind of final two questions that I like to ask on the Teach Strong podcast, could you just tell us more about where people can get their hands on the book um, and anything else you'd like to, to add about where they can connect with you as well? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Bloomsbury, Waterstones, um, Amazon, you know, basically if you just type it in on Google, it will pop up Um, and it'll be really lovely to hear people's thoughts um, about the book and how it might resonate with them. And it's really important as well. I know it's called The Emotionally Intelligent Teacher, but originally it was going to be called The Emotionally Intelligent Educator. And Mm -hmm. the reason I say that is because it is as much about leadership as it is about the teaching. And I think that's important to say because a lot of um, people probably look at that book and go, okay, it's just for teachers. Leaders are, teachers are leaders in their own classroom. Of course they are, but it is for head teachers as well. That thinking, that processing, the awareness. So um, yeah, I think that's important to say. And um, it took, it doesn't look like a big book. And I know it's only 36,000 words, but it took a long time to put together alongside full-time work. So um, Mm -hmm. it was a big, big effort. And People say, will you write another one? And not right now, I wouldn't. I I'm, might wait. I've got Ofsted looming, so I'm a bit kind of preoccupied <laughs> on the curriculum front. Maybe after that, um, but I'm enjoying taking a break in between. But um, it's it's definitely something I've been like proud of doing. Um, and my my um, the fourth the the note in the front is um, for my granddad because he he was absolutely superb. He always used to say things like you should really put it into a book you should do this and I would always be like don't be silly that's ridiculous (laughs) um and then over time I was like actually I probably could and he was one of the people that spurred me on to actually put the proposal in to actually go ahead and put it in so I I wasn't thinking too seriously about it at all um and when I got it he was so like proud um yeah so that's yeah I left a little note for him in the front of the book um he's no longer with us but he was amazing Oh, I know I've gone off on another tangent. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, no, it's, it, it, it's, it's lovely to hear. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're very grateful to your granddad for encouraging you to, <laughs> to, to get it done. And I think, yeah, he must have been very proud. And um, yeah, what a, what, I mean, it's just inspirational to have, to have, to have written it and, and got it out there. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it was 
I think you deserve a rest though that's okay you can <laughs> yeah exactly like everyone does this summer I mean everyone in school the last three years has been absolutely yeah. crazy um for everybody so I think everyone's enjoying this summer to the max hopefully not getting yeah. COVID too much because uh, I know that's uh, on the rise again yeah exactly I hope everyone is staying safe if you are listening please stay safe <laughs> yeah definitely um, right. So before I let you go, though, there's, uh, there are two questions I always like to ask my guests. And the first one is just your, what are your three top tips? I like to call them your, your top tips to thrive. So, um, you know, what are the three takeaways that people can take from this conversation and start applying today? Um, I think um, empathy is massively important. There's a whole chapter on it in the book, um, knowing and understanding people and realizing that there's always more um to be seen and that people are very very good at putting on a front particularly in teaching i mean we do every day you mm. walk through the classroom door and you're professional whatever's going on outside of the classroom you get on with it so just being aware of that um and having an understanding that some people are literally just trying to get through the day um so that's one kind of idea um another one would be what we've spoken about a lot, um, recognizing that feelings aren't always accurate and that it's always good to take a step back. Um, and it's never, it's rarely ever personal. Um, it's just whatever that person's going through at that point in their life, their turmoil and basically don't take it on work with it, but don't take it on. It's not yours to own. Um, and I think standing up for what you believe is right as well, however hard that is, I mean, I've had situations where I, I've had to move schools because of situations where I've seen, for example, people having to reapply for their job while they're going through cancer treatment, where I think actually that's not what anyone should be going through and reassessing my sort of principles and standards. So just being really clear about what you hold kind of dear, really, and what's true to you and not taking anything less, even if that means moving to another school, moving on. Um, in a different way and having to change what you're whatever you're doing at that time so yeah I think that's important because I know a lot of people feel like this they can be stuck if they are going through a situation they think they can't move well you, you can there are plenty of options um and if, if you don't agree with something and strongly you don't you know if you don't strongly I know what I'm trying to say if if you're if you feel strongly enough about it that you don't agree with it, there you go, got there eventually. It's <laughs> the summer holidays, my brain is tired. Um, then you can move. So I think that's important. I think I rambled enough about that point, but yeah, it's important. No, it's great. Even though your brain is tired, those were three very powerful and important <laughs> uh, messages to put out there. So thank you. That's great. Um, and then the final question, well, what's that one lesson you wish you had been taught when you were a child? I think slowing down. I was very much one of those children that I'd always be trying to get to the end goal before mm. taking in the information. And I think if I'd been told at a much younger age, like, slow down, Naomi, you know, you don't have to rush, then I would have taken in so much more. There's so many facts that I think, God, I should really know this. I should have learned this at primary school but I don't know it. Um, my common sense isn't the best either, I have to say. I can do the academic side, but yeah, I won't go into details of the things I've done because it would be it would just be very embarrassing because <laughs> my common sense is that bad. Um, 
but just yeah slowing down and understanding a situation before plowing ahead and I think it'd be really it would have been great if a primary teacher had said that to me yeah definitely well when I hit um stop on the record button you, I want to hear about all these embarrassing stories <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I will mention a few. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. But no, <laughs> sl- slowing down, yeah, for sure. Well, what if the whole world slowed down a bit? It would be, um, it would just be a different place, wouldn't it? I think um, the whole world yeah. needs to slow down. And, and perhaps in the past couple of years, that is one thing that we have um, opened our eyes to, is, is, is what Definitely can happen. Definitely a different way of down. being. We, exactly. We can spend more time with family and we don't always have to be out doing things. Um, yes, so true. Yeah, you don't have to, if you don't want to go to events, you don't need yeah. to go. That's what pandemic has taught me massively. Like, preserve your energy. If you don't want to, you know, there's been social arrangements and things I've ducked out of because yeah. I'm just like, actually, no, I need to just chill. And I think lots yeah. of people have had similar situations where they're like, actually, I can say no, I don't have to attend all the time. Exactly. Life's too short, isn't it, to say yes to everything and, and be spending time with people and in situations that you don't actually want you to You don't always time. need to. Yeah, definitely. Exactly, exactly. Right. Well, it's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure. I will put a link to your book in the show notes and I'll put a link to your social media um, accounts Lovely. as well so p- people can connect with you there. But thank you again so much, Naomi. Um, I'm really looking forward to putting this episode out there and staying in touch with you via Twitter. Brilliant. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, well, thank you for tuning in to the Teach Strong podcast. If you enjoyed my conversation with Naomi, and if you think any friends, family, or colleagues working in schools would be interested in this episode, please do share it with them. Also, I'd really appreciate it if you just took a few seconds to follow the show and rate it on your chosen podcast app. Thank you again, and I look forward to bringing you another episode soon.